Hey, what's good? What's happening, y'all? Y'all already know who this is. And it's definitely your favorite show for y'all. <sighs> yeah, yeah, Sean, come back at you again. And y'all, you already know, begin with the artists of the week every week. We got them. We got the motivational speakers, their authors around the world. Every Y'all, we're gonna switch it up. We gotta talk to in the building for y'all, for y'all just to tell y'all, look, you don't have to be alone. So with me, we're gonna welcome Dr. Nicholas Jones in the building. How are you doing, man? How are you um, doing? All is well. What's happening with you? How are you doing today? It's a blessed. It's very blessed. Hey, to see your beautiful face, man. So hey, it's blessed. Now, y'all, y'all don't know if y'all haven't heard. He's a surgeon out there in Atlanta, right? Based out in Atlanta, you're a plastic surgeon, reconstruction plastic surgeon, as well as a surgeon in the community. Also been featured on Ricky Smiley, all right? So the pole, you've been around the world, man. You've been around the world. So, hey, welcome to you to the PG podcast, man. Looking at your smile today, couldn't be better. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. All the while. So, hey, before we get started, I'm gonna let you get a little chance to introduce yourself to everybody because if they don't know, they should know Mr. Nip and Tuck. So it's a little second for you to introduce yourself a little bit. And then what we're gonna do, we're gonna do a small word of prayer for everybody around the world. You don't have to uh, say who you pray to. Honestly, it does not matter. It's about unity. So we still gonna bow our heads and give respect. So, hey, I'm gonna give you the floor. Tell everybody okay. about well, thanks for having me. I'm Dr. Nicholas Jones, AKA Dr. Nip and Tuck. And I am originally from New Orleans, Louisiana. And I'm now here in Atlanta. Uh, I have a plastic surgery practice. It's called Nip and Tuck Plastic Surgery. And I actually opened my practice in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, wow. Been open for about eight or nine months and things have been going well. Uh, we specialize in aesthetic as well as reconstructive surgery, but I would say 90% of the work that I do is cosmetic. And we do a lot of breast, body, and Brazilian butt lifts. And so um, I've always desired to have my own practice. And so I'm, this is like a manifestation of, you know, a lot of energy that people have poured into me. And now I'm in a position where I can give back more. And so I've, um, you know, I have mentees, I have students from Morehouse who come and hang out with me, uh, college students, high school students, medical students, and I'm I'm just here in the community just trying to do my thing. Hey, that's big, that's big. Shout out to Morehouse. Shout out to the high school kids. That's what's up, I like that. I like that, give it back. That's why we got a call today in the eyes of the beholder, man. Gotta call it that. You know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, I like to say, because we can be ugly to somebody else and pretty to another person. So we're going to dive a little deeper. That's deep, man. It's always to get better to give back to the community. I think that's huge, especially out there in Atlanta. We need it. We need it big. And you're doing big things. So, hey, who inspires you to be a surgeon? So, interesting question. So, I, um, when I was growing up, every day my mom, my mom would bring me to school. And so she would constantly tell me that I was gonna be a doctor, right? And then my pediatrician, uh, Dr. Remedius, he also said I was gonna be a doctor. And so when you're young and people ask you what you wanna be, because I kept hearing that all the time, I, I obviously I just say I'm gonna be a doctor and not knowing that that would actually happen. And then so as I got older um, and I started to explore, you know, possibilities, I, I thought being a plastic surgeon would be a cool thing to, to mm -hmm. do, especially because it's like one of the only specialties in medicine where you can kind of own your own business and kind of operate the way you want to. Like you can specialize in a certain area and just stick to that. And you don't have to be confined to the realms of a hospital. And so I just pursued it and my parents gave me the confidence to believe that I could actually become a doctor because there was no doctors in my family, the neighborhood that I grew up in. I mean, it wasn't the worst, but it definitely wasn't the best. Like all of my friends, they either ended up in jail or they were mm. dying. And so um, it's a true testament of the confidence that my parents instilled into me. 
And that's dope. Shout out to your parents because they're the, the success of they who inspires you to be the doctor you are today. Hey, so I know that sound interest, you know, is interesting you right now. You already gonna be up for word of prayer. We're gonna give a word of prayer, give back. And if you wanna hear more, you gotta stay tuned to hear more about Mr. Nip and Tuck. So I always like to have the guests to say a little word of prayer, but if you're uncomfortable, you know what I'm that's fine. But would you okay. like to say a word of prayer? Yeah, sure, you? let's do it, let's do it. Yeah. All right, God, our Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this uh, opportunity to uh, give my story to the public. And I pray to you, God, that uh, someone out there is listening and they may receive this. And hopefully it can be some inspiration, some education, some knowledge so that they can take their lives to a, a, another level. Or if there's someone who's interested in pursuing a career in medicine or not even just a career in medicine, but just uh, a voice so that they can change their lives and these things are asked in the name of jesus amen 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 powerful prayer so if you ain't get hyped up by that hey you gotta stay tuned for more because my man's gonna drop that fire on you so what age is very it's very curious that your parents like been putting this in your mind so what age did you realize what type of doctor do you want it to be oh so i like from the moment i decided i want to be a doctor it was always plastic surgery. Mm. Um, and at first it was very superficial. Like I was like, well, I want to be a fly because I thought they were fly. I thought they made a lot of money, but I didn't really know what exactly they did. And so when I got more attuned to the field and especially when I actually entered medical school, what was so cool about plastic surgery is you can operate on a person and you can see the results, the efforts of your results immediately. And for the most part, it wasn't like anything life-threatening. Patients were healthy and mm -hmm. really have to, you know, take care of really sick people. So that was really attractive to me. More of a safer way, I guess you would say, to, um, to please people? Not really safer. It's just like, just taking care of healthy patients. Like I personally didn't like taking care of like sick people, like, uh, cancer patients or like right. little kids, little kids. That was always I thought that would be difficult. And the one thing, other thing is, if you know anything about the cosmetology world, or like hairstylists. Let's say you go to a hairstylist or a barber and you ask for a certain cut. You can go to like twenty different barbers and ask for that same cut and get twenty different looks. And so True. plastic surgery is kind of like that, like there's so many different ways to solve one problem and so there is oh, okay okay so it's more like a it's a science but it's also an art oh okay more like you it's like you said it's a way that you can basically put your stamp on it you know i guess yes put your stamp yeah. on it yeah, I guess when you like certain starting jobs, you can't put really put your stamp on it, but you can put your stamp on with this. Right. That's what that's what yeah. I actually about it in a way. Um, that you know surgery, especially plastic surgeons, they do it. It may not look like the the other plastic surgeon. Like I never thought about it that way. So that's a good way to put it. That's dope. Yeah, that's dope. Put your stamp on it, and so like when you started doing this. I know it took a lot of time, even in school. So what, how, well, how many years did it take you in school? And then why did you sacrifice that time? So, um, timeline, college. I did, I have a bachelor's of science and chemistry, went to Xavier University of Louisiana. Eight? Four years, uh, four years of medical school. So we're up to eight. And then after I finished medical school, I did a general surgery residency which was five years mm. so now we're up to what's that 13 years 13 years. after i did the general surgery residency did a plastic surgery fellowship that's another three years so that's 16 years and then after that i did a fellowship another fellowship for one year Mm. Yeah, so it's a lot of, it's a lot of time it's a lot of time and, and the other end of the question was what 
It was, well, why, well, why did you decide to sacrifice it? You know what? Because I was committed to it. Like, I, mm. I, I, think, I think for me, like, once I decide I'm going to do something, I just do it. And part of the reason that I actually, you know, entered medical school, it was sort of a competition. It was a competitive, the competitive nature in myself. Like, mm. I, and I attribute a lot of it to basketball. Like basketball was my thing. Like I love basketball. And so I was always, I was always undersized. They used to call me peanut. And so I never forget it when I was in high school, one day an assistant coach, he said to me, peanut, like what are you gonna do when you graduate from high school? I told him I was gonna be a doctor and he laughed at me. Like he like laughed, like that was like impossible. And so, and mind you, this is a private school. This is a Catholic school, mm. a Catholic all-boy high school, which my parents are paying tuition for me to go to. And the assistant head coach is telling me, laughing at me when I say I'm gonna be a doctor. And so I took that to heart. And then I also had a teacher named Mr. Lazar. And he uh, was my calculus teacher. And they used to post all of your grades on the wall, like after tests. And he said, he pulled me aside one day. He's like, son, do you want to be mediocre for the rest of your life? And at the time, I didn't know what the word meant. I went home, looked it up in the dictionary, and I was like, damn, that's, that's not me. And so from that point, like, I made all A's, all A's until I got into college, and I continued, and then that was, that was a wrap. Hey, that was that was your thriving point right there. That was your burning yeah, point. Yeah, right change he changed the dude changed my life, and he did it. It was so I, I found it to be so instrumental that even after I graduated from medical school, like I sent this guy a letter because mm. it meant it meant a lot to me because you know I before that I was just I was just going through the motions like I thought I was pretty smart, but I never really tried to do better. Right. It was no right. challenge. He challenged you. Yeah, he challenged me. And sometimes, you know, some people, that's what they need. Some people need to be, need to hit a reality. Some people respond more to uh, motivation. But whatever it is, whatever it is that drives your engine, you got to get the engine started. Would you say there's more, be more to the competitiveness in you that um, when he said that, he was like, nah, nah, I gotta, I gotta show you differently. It was what right, you said. Right, right, right. Yeah, because I've always been like, a, I thought I've always been a pretty hard worker, um, right. but like for basketball, because I wanted it so bad. Like I was, I would like practice all the time. And I think in order to be good or great at anything, it takes consistency motivation and, and, and practice. Like you just have to keep doing it over and over again to, you know, perfect it. And right. so that, that's, so for me, it was just like somebody telling me I couldn't do something. I had to, I, I, I feel like I, I had to prove them wrong. Hey, it was more so, more so you had to well, prove them wrong, prove yourself wrong, just see if you can do it. You know, right. so. exactly. That's what's up. So when people come to you about any like plastic surgeon or a plastic surgeon question, what is the advice that you give them before you even do anything? Uh, you mean as far as like patients? Yeah, yeah. Or, or like, yeah, if a patient come to you and say, hey, dog, I'm looking to get surgery or um, get some of your work done. What is the advice that you give them before you even start? So for me, anytime I see a prospective patient, I always uh, want to know what their motivation is and what their end goal is because I don't want someone coming to me seeking plastic surgery because someone else wants them to have them, like a loved one, a spouse, a boyfriend, husband, wife, because if someone else is motivated, if someone else is your motivation to have surgery, you're not going to be happy. And then the other thing that I take into consideration, I need to know what their expectation is and if their expectations are realistic. Like if you come in, you want plastic surgery and you weigh, you know, 300 pounds and you expect to have a surgery and end up looking like some IG model, then I'm probably not the plastic surgeon for you. 
Mm. Or if you come in and I can't find anything physically wrong with you and you're telling me you really need this because it's killing you, then again, I'm probably not the plastic surgeon for you. Mm. And would you, is that for, like you said, people that's over that weight to come in and you're like, no, do you get most people come in that way? What? What's that? When, you know, you, you mentioned that uh, you're, if I'm weight, then um, you're doing it for that or you want to look like an IG model but not really understand the process. Uh, would you say that would be difficult? You get many people like that? So, I think I think so with, with social media and the way that, you know, celebrities have sort of, I'm not going to say glorified, but they've made cosmetic surgery more acceptable. Right. So now a lot of people, a lot of people, they want to look like, you know, their favorite celebrity. And it doesn't matter what your size is, like some people, they don't, they don't have the understanding, because of lack of knowledge, they may come in thinking that they can, they're going to have one surgery and they're going to end up looking like uh, real Kylie's sister, or they want to look like Kim Kardashian, or they want to look like Jada Waiter. Like I literally, I've had, I have patients, they have, we call them wish picks. They come in, I, I had a patient come in with a poster of all the body, like about 20 different body types that she wanted. She wanted her result to look like that. And I mean, if I feel like I can get you that result, that's fine. But you know, many patients, they come in and they want these looks and it's just not realistic. So what what about the doctors? Would you say that that takes them to that from that, I guess, overweight or unrealistic points, and then put them in realistic um, positions? Do you see more health problems, or or is this something that you do? You don't highly recommend it. So I think so. Plastic surgery isn't for everyone. Like first of all, you you have to be healthy. And we just want to, I, first of all, I want to make sure that I can safely do your surgery and get you the results that you desire. Like oh. for whatever reason, if I don't think I can get you the results, or if there's another way that I can help you get to the point where we can do the surgery, then we can do that. Like for example, some patients, they may be a little bit overweight or they may be, they may be severely overweight. So if we can get you on a weight loss program and get you down to a reasonable size. And I feel like I can operate on you and get you the result you want. Mm -hmm. Let's do that. Um, because to me, it's not just about doing a surgery. It's also about you like changing your lifestyle. Like I, I have a lot of patients, you know, they get their plastic surgery and they're so happy with their results that they want to maintain it. And right. So when you have a patient like that, that's a great situation because you made them more confident about themselves, and now they change their lifestyle. And so now they're they're eating healthier, they're exercising because they're trying to maintain that 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 look. Do you have Do you have any ones that um, get the surgery and then don't maintain that? Lifestyle. Oh, absolutely. That happens, yeah, that happens frequently. I mean, not frequently, but I would say, like, for patients who get liposuction. Oh. Uh, for example, I had a patient that I did a Brazilian butt lift on, a younger patient, and she came back and she said she was unhappy with her results. Now, hmm. she gained 25 pounds after she had the surgery. Like six months later, she comes back, she weighs 25 pounds more. So obviously, I mean, your result isn't gonna be the same. Right. You have, to, you have to do your you have to do your part. That's crazy. I think a lot of people do do that because I had a cousin who did that. She went through lipo and swear to God, went back the same size. And I was like, what's the pur purpose? You know, the purpose. So many people go through that and they go eat the same thing. And it's like, well, you, you're gonna go get the same results you was getting for like 30 years, 20 years. You're not gonna get that new result, you know? Right. Like the whole lifestyle, especially if you get the surgery, 
and you had to go through a program. I didn't even know that part. If you're overweight, you may have to get on a program to even get your lifestyle together and then have the surgery. You went through all that and then you go back and eat the same thing and not maintain the lifestyle. That's crazy. Right. Crazy. Well, I, I mean, I think that's good for the, for the business because you, they gonna go back. Get this right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, operating on, on the same patient more than once, yeah, that's good. But when you're redoing the same operation, it can mm -hmm. be more challenging. Um, mm. Like if you do liposuction, even though you don't really have scars on the outside, you may have some little small incisions from where we uh, insert the cannulas to suck out the fat. But right. underneath the skin, I mean, there's some scarring. So every mm -hmm. time you go back to do liposuction, it may be a little bit more challenging because not only is there fat, you're, you're, you're going through scar tissue to take out more fat. Oh, that's well. That that I'm like you. I wouldn't. I wouldn't ever want to keep repeating that same situation. Right. To keep. Right. So, how long would you say the recovery time? That that depends on the type of surgery they're getting. Absolutely. So, you know, for the more invasive, the obviously the more invasive the surgery is, the longer the recovery time. Like if you have, oh. if you have liposuction, you know, you can go back to work earlier than if you had a tummy tuck. Oh, all the mummies that want a tummy tuck. So what's the difference between a tummy tuck and lipo? I don't know. I never had either one of those. What's the difference between a tummy tuck and lipo? So liposuction is just removal of fat using uh, like a vacuum assisted device. So you stick, you make really small incisions, you stick a cannula in, and you're essentially just sucking out fat. Oh. Uh, a tummy tuck is actually cutting out fat from the belly. Like you make an ins in a long incision and you lift up all the extra skin, and you remove it. In addition oh. to that, you, um, you're tighten tightening up the muscles of the abdomen, like your mm -hmm. ab muscles, usually, especially in women, after pregnancy or after, you know, aging, just part of natural aging process, the rectus muscles are usually like this in the center, but they get what? separated. So part of tummy tuck is bringing those mus muscles back to the middle and recreating an hourglass shape. So does the age matter? Like, well, I know age matter, you have to be a scientist to start getting for the surgery, but um, as they get older, does the age matter as far as risk, I guess? Um, so your chrono chronological age matters, but it's more about your, your health, okay. your, your health status. Like if you're a 55 year old healthy person, as opposed to, I would take a 55 year old without medical problems over a 35 year old with diabetes. Mm, okay. Okay. So I guess the risk, like you said, the higher the health, the risk of the health. So what would you say would be the most challenging thing out of surgery that you have done on a patient? Most challenging? If um, you have challenging, I agree with the hands. No, no, there's, there's always challenging cases. I mean, because there's no one operation that's the same. Like, as I mentioned to you about you know, barbers and hairstylists, you know, I can do tummy tucks. I can do 30 tummy tucks and do them 30 different ways. So as far as challenging cases, I would say for me, it was when I first finished my training, mm -hmm. I did a reconstruction case on a guy who had a palatal cancer, which is cancer of the, the roof of your mouth. Mm -hmm. So they, he had a hole in his mouth because they excised or removed the tumor. And I had to re reconstruct his palate. And it was a challenging case because I had, you know, just finished my training and I had to do a microvascular case. And so basically we took some tissue from his arm along mm. with the blood vessels and we uh, sent under a microscope sewing these really small like these four millimeter vessels together and putting it inside of the roof of his mouth to reconstruct it so that was a that was like a, a 10 hour operation 
so it took a really long time but um no, I was able to get it done that, that sounds very difficult i ain't gonna even lie to you that sounds very difficult but you got through it have you ever done another case like that or that that that, that one um yeah i've done more reconstructive cases um but not not any more of the the face or the head neck area because i i no longer work in that same setting oh okay 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 i get that dang that's crazy i don't think i ever heard of that before well well i'm not surgery surgeon but that's pretty dope to have to do micro sales you know i've never heard of that part before so hey kudos to you man that's some that's some superhero type stuff because i don't even know how to do it well where to start um well in school how long did it take you for that part when you went to school for the reconstruction how long did that take you so plastic the plastic surgery residency all of us i mean it's three years and then three I years then I did a microsurgery fellowship and that was one year. Oh, okay. So, okay. That's the, that was the three and four, the three and one year you was talking about. Okay. Right. So what makes you different from all the other surgeons? Like you said, you can do surgery so many different ways and no other surgeon is just like you. But what makes you different from the surgeons? That from other plastic surgeons? I would say it's probably, you know, my personality. Um, I think I'm, a, I'm an outgoing person. And I, I mean, not to say that other doctors don't care about their patients, but I, once a patient comes into my door and I operate on them, they're, they're like part of my family. And mm. I, I, I make it a conscientious effort to try to buy, provide them with the best possible service. And I'm, I'm honest with the patients. Um, I'm very approachable. And then when people come into my practice, the reason I opened up my own practice is because I want it to be complete. Like from, mm -hmm. from the time you walk into my office to your last appointment, I want it to be uh, a, a wholesome experience. So I would say um, it's my personality and then just the, the level of service that I provide and I'm always, I'm always trying to take it to another level. Like I'm, I'm never satisfied. Like I think, I think I'm good at what I do, but right. I keep, I'm trying to keep go, go, go up the, the ladder to like, and, and, and I know that I will never be perfect. So I'm always striving to get better. Right, man, you trying to talk the microsurgery part? How can you talk that? Well, I mean, just, just, I'm talking about like my results, um, <laughs> the patient experience. Like I want, I always want it to get better. Like there's um, always, there's always room for improvement. Yes, it is always. And being your personal, your personal PR, your personal record, you know, tapping into that you want to see if you get better. Well, I was better at this last year, but I'm even great at this this year. So that's dope. You, hey, with those talents and skills that you got, you also had modified a technique um, in surgery. I, don't make me butcher it, but I know it's called, you call it a, a pexy. It's pexy at the end, but don't make me butcher it. Oh, what was that? So um, when I was in my training, in uh, my plastic surgery training, I wrote a paper about a procedure, it's called Buxinator Pexy. And basically it is a procedure done to create dimples. So a lot of, mostly mostly women uh, want this procedure done. This is something that you can do in the office and create dimples. And so I just wrote a paper and published it in one of our peer reviewed journals. That's dope. I, I was sitting there looking at that word like, Ooh, don't let me butcher it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> even when I saw it first, I was like, man, I don't even know what that means, but that that don't make me butcher it. <laughs> I got natural dimples, natural dimples. Yeah, yeah. A slight over there. That's that's what's up. That's what's up. So, outside, you know, outside of surgery, we put away the, the the doctor coat. Who who are you? Like, what is life outside of surgery? Outside of surgery, or well, right yeah. now, I mean, right now is mostly my, I would say most of my life is my practice in surgery, but when I'm not at work, what do I enjoy doing? 
I, I love to eat. So like dining, <laughs> like I'm always going to new, like I'm, I'm the, I'm probably the plug for restaurants. Like if you right. ever come to Atlanta and you're looking for a place to eat, I probably can give you, I could give you some great places to eat. Um, I just bought it. I have a new dog, a little puppy. So I'm spending mm-hmm. a lot of time with him, trying to get him trained so he doesn't pee all over my floors. Um, I spend time with my with my family, and I like to travel. And I'm like I like I mentioned to you early, earlier basketball. Basketball is my thing. I love. I've always loved basketball. Oh, I feel man. like if I if I wasn't a doctor. I would probably be a basketball coach. Basketball coach? Yeah. Hold on the court? I'm a beast on the court. Hey, they old beast on the court. Even with the dock on, hey. I'm, I'm, I'm a beast with the left, and I hit him with the left hand. Hit him with the left hand? Hey, you gotta come see what that's about. You wanna see what that's about, you hit him with the left hand. You like threes or you like taking it to the goal more? I mean, I'm not that tall. So. <laughs> But you know what I, I I I come in the lane I come in the lane, but I usually like to you know hit them hit them with the jump shot. Okay, so not that time. <laughs> hey, song be trying. I know short people that try. They go in the hole. But I'm not bit. short though. I'm not short though. I'm tall. You just not what, what NBA tall? Yeah, I'm NBA tall. I should I probably could have gone to the NBA. At least okay. my mom, my mom said I could have gone to the NBA. Hey, okay, okay, all right. Doc got here balling on you. Stop playing. Balling <laughs> on them. <laughs> so, what's the most gratification thing you can say? Like, you know, any word of gratification. What can you say is gratitude? You know, gratifying for you when it comes to transforming bodies. You know, because you can do them so many ways. So, what you like right. the most? What do I like the most? I yeah. mean, what's gratifying to me is when a patient is happy with their result and I've been able to restore their confidence because when help mm. them, I'm not going to say I restored their confidence, but help them restore their confidence so that they can go back into the world and be the best possible version of themselves. Okay. Hey, that's like you said, it's just like when you get that new haircut because you get a wrong haircut. They ain't gonna feel you. They ain't gonna have no confidence. But you give them that right. right. Okay. Yeah. 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 I like that. I feel it. So as yeah. hey, like you're not the only doctor in the building. Well, let's say in the world is out here, you know, putting plastic surgery and meeting with people. But you know, as African American surgeon, what could you say was difficult about coming into the game for you? Oh, I would say the whole, the journey in itself was a challenge because um, I feel like as a as a black man, as a black person, that we always, I've, I've always had to go the extra mile. Like I had to do, do more than my white colleagues to prove that I belong in a conversation or belong in the field. And, um, you know, like people, people doubt you, and until they give you a chance, and they're like, "Oh, okay," like he's, you know, he's legit. Or like yeah. even when I, even when I show up to some, sometimes to the surgery centers, um, you know, they ask to see my ID, like, <laughs> like, like they don't know, like, like I know, I, and I know for a fact they don't ask, you know, my 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 white counterparts or you know. They may speak to me differently, like the receptionist calling me by my first name. Like mm. you know, like I mean, it's it's. I mean, I I personally, I don't. It's not a big deal to me, but I know for a fact you don't call the other doctors by their first name. So why are you calling right. me by my first name? It's disrespectful. Right. So you have so so. It's it's been a long journey, and to this day, I, I feel I still feel like as a black plastic surgeon that there's a lot of adversities that that I face and even my my patients like black people black patients like we don't get the same quality of care that you know other people get 
Like, you know, even when I was in my residency, I felt like my program director, you know, treated people of color differently than he treated uh, white, white patients. And so there's definitely a disparity in healthcare and it expands across all boards. Like, you know, I'm included in that as a physician. Medical definitely hard thing to be in. Cause I know even as nurses and um, LPNs and all that diversity inside the hospital, um, I myself, I was a healthcare administrator for the COVID, COVID happened. And that itself has adversity in it. You know, so now you talking about being on the surgery floor and being just as smart as your counter. That itself is adversity. So the fact that you're facing it and you've been an example for others um, like you that, look, you can be uh, of color and be in the surgery room. And it's okay, you know, to know what they know. And you stand up for yourself because there's so many kids around the world that wants to do surgeons, like you said, and maybe don't have the confidence to do it. You know, so yeah. now you're an example for them. And that's dope. So what are some future projects or programs that you're working on inside of the community? So I recently became a member of the uh, 100 Black Men of Atlanta. And so it's a, it's a nonprofit organization and it just focuses on, you know, Black underprivileged youth and just exposing them to uh, various fields and finances. It's just, it's just an empowering uh, group of individuals that's just focusing on elevating, you know, underprivileged youth so that they have opportunities and expose them to um, things that they wouldn't otherwise have been exposed to at an early age so that they can become doctors and become engineers and go into fields that they otherwise wouldn't have known about. Right. Right. And not and only that, but it's also just like educating them about financing and investing so that, you know, overall, we're just elevating the black community to another level. Because right now, I mean, that playing field, I mean, let's be honest, the playing field isn't even. And I don't anticipate that it'll be, it, it will ever be equal. But we, we can keep making moves to kind of balance things out. That's true, that's true. And what, what would you say to the to the people that say, I wanna be like Mr. Nippertuck, I wanna open my um, my own business. Uh, I wanna be the next, you know, plastic surgeon, but they scared, what would you say to that? I would say don't be afraid and to pursue your dreams. And probably one of the most important things is to continue to explore and if you don't know it, know how to get there, just, just ask. Like, just mm. just do some research. All it takes is that you just have to take the initiative to start and to accomplish anything, you're always gonna need help somewhere along the line. So right. reach out to individuals. If there's something that you really wanna do, try to change your, your, your atmosphere, your surroundings and be around people who are doing something that you want to do. Like if you hang out with a whole bunch of bums, you're probably going to end up being a bum. If you hang out with a whole bunch of drug dealers, guess what? You're probably going to be a drug dealer. So you got to put yourself in the right situation and just ask the right questions. Right. Just, just pursue it. Like, just try to find out as much information you can and then go from there. And like I said, everybody needs some help along the way. So a good mentor uh, helps out a lot. He's your 100 million uh, organization is straight guys, right? And it's no, just it. No, the, I mean, the organization is all men, but we provide services to, to both both boys oh. and girls, yeah. Okay, so community AC brought the whole community in, not just um, black male, right. but right. Oh, okay, we really though, we bring in more resources to the community. That's really dope. Right. Um, I, I give them some skills, how you do that. Um, the micro that's still in my head. I'm trying to figure out how you do that, how you sew sales and stuff together, man. Like, okay, not, well, not not sales, like, but just very small blood vessels. 
Oh, the blood vessels. That's even, that's small. That's, right, it is. That's it is. Small. Man, hey, it definitely take you to do that. Because if you tell me you like to dissect frogs, I skipped that part of biology. I, I was that person that did not show the class for that every time. Oh, even wow. Mm -mm. I one I don't like frogs. Did they dissect the pig? Uh, maybe, but the frog park, I deal with. Did you have to dissect the frog ever? Uh, I think so in in college, maybe. In college. Yeah, in college, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. But I was a I was a chemistry major, so oh. I took the minimum amount of biology courses that I I only took those that I needed to. You had, you had long problems in chemistry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember chemistry. Ooh, we. So, hey man, all those risks that you that you talked about, even with surgery, clients coming in wanting to know how to get the surgery, even if they're healthy or unhealthy, you're able to give them the advice that best suits them in their life. And all this, we went through risk and confidence to keep the person going. And like you said, that lifestyle is needed to keep it. So what would you say would be one of the side effects that you've seen um, in, inside those surgery rooms that you would say would be the biggest thing other than the health part? Like whether it's um, after surgery, you've seen some don't really snap back as fast, or you see, I don't know, high blood pressure. Is there anything other than you like that lifestyle that you say they have to keep that that keeps someone from having that surgery. Can you can you rephrase the question? Yeah, sure, sure. So like with the lifestyle, it's a, it's a lot. You know, you gotta stay healthy. You gotta be on your right. pleasing. So out of all that, from certain, some risks that you've seen that when people don't keep their lifestyle, they all yeah, they, of course they lose their lifestyle. Well, what are some health risks that you may see that they have? Like, like a reason why, uh, like a reason why I wouldn't perform a surgery on a patient? After their surgery. So once they have the surgery, right? And they come back, is there any health, health um, risk that you see after the surgery other than like, they don't- Like complications from surgery? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I mean, for each and every surgery, there are some like inherent potential complications. Okay. For example, if you have a tummy tuck, some of the most common complications after surgery are uh, seromas, which is a collection of fluid underneath the skin. Mm. Uh, sometimes they can have wound complications, like part of the wound may not heal. And one of the worst complications is a blood clot. Like they can have a blood clot and they go into their lungs and they can have a pulmonary embolism and you mm. can actually you can actually die from a pulmonary embolism. Yeah. So that's a that's a that's like the worst case scenario. And so typically like the more common ones like wound healing issues. Um, sometimes patients have irregularities like the shape may be abnormal and yeah. um, the an infection like wound infections. So what did that would be the would that be the key reason why the lifestyle is important? Um, well, lifestyle is important, but I mean your health. Yeah, yeah, that's that's that that is part of the reason. But you know, okay. for some patients, some patients are more prone to certain types of complications. So it's really important when a patient comes in that they're completely honest about their health. Like if you smoke. If you smoke, you should definitely let your doctor know that you smoke because smoking can cause wound healing issues. If a patient has had a heart attack before or they are, or, or let's say a patient is on a blood thinner, like all these things are things that need to be known because it can potentially affect your outcome. It can potentially, you know, lead to a poor outcome. You can have problems in the operating room you know, so that's why we spend some time together. We check your labs, and you know, once we decide to have surgery, it's an agreement between myself and the patient. Like the patient has to be committed to doing the things that they need to do to get the best possible outcome, while I focus on doing what I need to do to try to get you the best result. 
some patients if they smoke if they're active smokers i won't operate on them like because i'm trying again i'm trying to get you a great result and you know sometimes it can be difficult to get a great result so if i can minimize any sort of control risk mm. then i will so if you smoke then you shouldn't have, I, I think, you, I don't think you should have surgery. If you're not willing to, to quit smoking so that you can get a, a good result, then I don't want to operate on you because I don't I don't want a patient coming to me and saying, hey doc, like, oh, like this is terrible. I had dead tissue at the end of my incision and all my wound opened up. Well, I mean, all those things happen, but you were actively smoking or you got a blood clot. So, you know, I have to, you know, risk stratify all the patients or every patient just to make sure, you know, we're limiting any potential complications as much as we can. Wow, that's dope, man. Just let's listen and just being part of this podcast and me too. I so far as like surgery because I hear so many people say like I said I never had a tummy tuck or lipo or any of those things so I just hear and be like okay you know what's the risk to that and so many people do do it and want that IG um, body that you talked about so man like from the risk from the health if y'all want this y'all gotta get healthy that commitment is there it's like waves you know how much right. it is for waves boy it's more than regular hair. You have to brush more than regular hair. So the commitment you gotta have to get this lipo or get this surgical body, you gotta have it like brushing waves. If you don't want waves bad, then you ain't gonna have no saucy wave. You want the lipo, you want the surgery bad, you gonna go get healthy. Man, my mans can't work on y'all, y'all not healthy. So man, Dr. Nip and Tuck, Dr. Nicholas Jones, man, that's a ring. That's a ringer right there. They not using your name to come to you. They say, hey, I got my Nip and Tuck by Dr. Jones. I don't know. I'm gonna be like, nah, you ain't get the right person. You know? Uh, <laughs> you didn't get the right person. So doc, leave a message that's gonna resonate with us. You know, even when people get off and they say, hey, you remember Dr. Nicholas Jones? What, 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 what you gonna say? Make them remember you, man. Even after all this, because even the lipo should have grabbed them by now. But if that didn't grab them, what would you say? I would say, I would say, be the best possible version of yourself. And I would say, you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing in life, there's always room for improvement. So, uh, whatever you decide to do, just do, just just be the best at it. In order to be the best, it takes a commitment. It takes lots of practice, lots of prayer, reading, and just you know focusing in and zoning in on, on your craft and ignoring all of the distractions. Like focus. Yeah, amen. Next time. Next time I'm like, am I committed? I'm gonna think about you so Think in about it. Man, so Yo, I got a question. What what is that on your neck? What is that? What does that say? People, black lives matter. That's what it says. Okay, black, black lives matter. Power to the people. Yeah, oh. yeah. If my kids gave me some, I love it, you know what I'm saying? I love it. But uh yeah, man, power to the people. That's what I read. Power to the people, man. We gotta get more out there. There's so many black Americans out there doing wonderful things. Like my man, Mr. Nippy Tuck over here, doing wonderful things, man. Hey. If committed, I'm I'm gonna always point this out, bro. If they are not committed as you were with those vessels, I don't mm. know 
thing because you had to sit there the 10 hours and make sure somebody come back and their roof or their mouth is all good. So, hey, if y'all ain't committed about that, when it's your finance, y'all not like that with, with anything y'all do, y'all not on the way like Mr. Nip and Tuck. Y'all not, y'all don't want to be committed committed to the game. I'm committed to the game, man. You made me rethink the whole thing when you said that. I'm like, he said that for 10 hours to do that? That's great. Hey, but I bet I bet you it, it made you look at your your skills a lot different, you know? Like, man, I completed that. That's that's crazy, man. Yeah, that was tough. It was tough. It was that yeah, what what would you say would be the toughest thing about that? Like, were you scared? No, I wasn't scared. It's just so when you're in training, there's always uh senior, there's a plat there's a plastic surgeon, like professor who's kind of holding your hand throughout mm -hmm. the whole thing. Like they won't let you mess up. But okay. if, you can, if you can imagine like, you know, you completed your training and you're all on your own. There's no one like you turn to and say, hey, like what do I do next? It's just you, like you're, at, you're in charge. Like everyone in the room is looking at you to figure out, like you tell them what you want them to do or how they can help you. And so it ends with you. So you got a patient on the table. Patient has signed their name, giving you permission to do an operation on them. So they have confidence in you. Like they've given their life or put their life in your hands. Right. So that's a that's a huge responsibility. Hey, we, hey not, now they're here. They still right. here to and yeah. magical hands, man. That's I don't know if they're magical. I just, they I magical. mean. In my mind, in my this mind. Is, they, this is, the, I'm just a vessel. I'm just doing it, trying to do God's work while I'm yeah. here on this, on this planet. Yo, hey man, if y'all ain't getting no value today, I don't know what to say. Cause my man, Dr. Jones came and put that sauce on y'all, man. Keep, sauce, keep on doing sauce, lots of hot sauce, lots of little yeah. hot sauce. <laughs> on fried yeah. catfish, fried yeah. catfish. On the fried catfish, man. With some, with some potato salad. On the side. <laughs> on the side. Actually with spaghetti, I like catfish Ooh, and spaghetti. Belly. I'm on your side, catfish and spaghetti. Oh, I'm on your side. I'm hungry. With hot sauce. With that's how he did it. He made a full course meal and threw the hot sauce on there for y'all. Now y'all can't say you don't know what a lipo is. You can't say you don't know what uh, the mummy tuck is. We all know now. And tummy we know tummy tuck. Tummy tuck. I call it mummy tuck. Tummy tuck, man. Tummy tuck. Right. I want to go get y'all tummy tucks. Y'all want more information about it? Hit up my man, Dr. Jones. He got y'all. He's going to let you know what's safe for you. And if nobody love y'all today, Tomorrow or yesterday, I love you. Dr. Jones love you. I love you. you I love y'all. I love my yeah. people. Yeah, ain't nothing y'all can do about it. So hate us today or tomorrow. We still gonna love y'all, man. Hey, and thank you for coming out to the PEG podcast, y'all. I appreciate it, man. All right. Well, thank you. You have a good evening. Hey.